Hello, everyone. I am Matthew Thomas with the Super Cool Radio. My guest at this time is a very good friend of the show and has appeared on Super Cool Radio before. Please welcome, straight out of New York, Roy Costin, the guitarist of Love Bone. Hello there. Again, welcome from the uh, thriving metropolis of the night of New York, right in the middle of almost central New York. Close. We're close to right. There's a, actually there is a marker here that designates central New York. So we are close to that. So you should be lucky. <laughs> very, very good. Glad you're here. Glad we're chatting again. You appeared, I believe it was like in like September, I think. You were on, on yeah, my show. September was the last time that we spoke. And so since the last time we spoke, I know you had a lot of big plans coming up. I know you're releasing some music. So how's everything been going for the last few months? I know you've been busy. Well, life is good during this COVID chaos, as we should say. Uh, really no complaints. Everybody's been healthy here in our family. And, you know, we've been, you know, taking the cautions of washing our hands, wearing our mask and, you know, all of that just to be safe, especially with my underlying health issues of sarcoidosis and having a stroke. So, you know, even if it was flu season or, you know, anybody's sick, we're always careful. So um, other than that, just life is good. Just, you know, taking this time to work in the home studio and get things rolling. I have lots of stuff, lots and lots of material that we're going to talk about tonight. Very good. I'm, I'm looking forward to chatting with you. Good to hear that you're in good health and uh, taking precautions and staying safe. I mean, you know, every, that's what everyone should be doing. Right, right. Correct. I know very recently you released a the original members of the band Four Large Men. How uh, was it to actually release it? It's just something I've been really talking about for quite a while. And just that this opportunity came up during the COVID time to gather all the information that I have, like on cassettes, because the master tapes are, I have no idea actually where they all are. Um, it was just, it was just emotional. So I gave everything to, uh, I have two rock and roll mentors. I have John Gilliger from Raven, who I call up all the time, and hey, what about this or that? And the other one stayed to pay from Virgin Steel, and he lives in uh, Long, Long Island, New York. So I sent Dave everything that I have, and I just kind of said, this is what I want. Fix it. <laughs> so basically he did because it's, uh, it's an emotional because it's not just because we were a band. It was because um, I knew Rick, the bass player, since seventh grade. You know, it's not like just something we threw in a band. I knew Rick since seventh grade. We played in all kinds of bands. And actually, uh, um, one time, excuse me, I was trying to think of the year, 1978. We were actually called Metallica. We were a three-piece band playing all these crap holes around here in central New York. And I still have the actual thing that was in the paper, the clip that said Metallica. Um, 
but we played in high school bands and we, you know, he is the godfather of my two younger children, you know, Jasmine and Gunner. So it's not like, you know, we just had a band and that was it. We were all friends at this point. And the first four large, the first four large men came about in 1990 after all the 80s stuff and, and that. And I knew Kevin because I joined what became Ardent in uh, January 1st, 1982. They had a project, I believe they were called Flight. And I joined them November 5th of 1981. It's kind of re hard to remember. It's funny how I remember all this. I had everything written down when I was younger, and then everything got lost. And then we played in Ardent, DC Strut, and then Four Large Men, the first lineup of Four Large Men. And I knew Jerry about since uh, I was trying to think about that. It was 1980 because that's when Back and Black came out. Rick and I heard about this other band playing. There was a bunch of friends going. Let's go check them out. They were at rehearsal in the middle of God's country because Rick was also a little bit older than I was, so he could drive. So we ended up hearing Jerry sing Back and Black, and that was my first vision that I had of Jerry. And I can still see that. But we became friends over the years. We had jam sessions, and Jerry would show up out of nowhere. We'd get him up on stage and jam. And so it's not just that lineup was not just a band. It was, you know, family. You know, and um, unfortunately, all three of them has passed due to cancer. And there is a, a little remembrance on my website at RoyCarson.com, and. Um, Going back to Kevin, we actually played a year before he passed away. It was just one of those things where the stars aligned, and we actually did like a reunion of all the Ardent stuff and DC Strut stuff, and that was in 2012. And we actually had my son Gunner play bass on a couple songs for the DC Strut stuff as uh, Bingo, Mike Jacoways. Then when we did the Ardent stuff, I had my friend Jeff Hall, who played in Foghat and the Outlaws, and he played the art and stuff with us. And that was a night to remember because the place was packed. It was like 500 people there. And, um, you know, that was the last memory I have of him. But I actually did talk to him before he passed that day. And um, that was in July. And um, it just, it's, it's all tough, you know. Because, like I said, not just a, a friend. He was a family member, you know. So that's, that's the gist of that, the Four Large Men tape, CD. And actually, okay, here's another little piece of history of this. Sure. Jerry, before he passed away, it was in July, he came over to the house. He was struggling. But I had him sing on three songs. And one of the songs ended up on this. It was an acoustic version of Ain't Feeling Right. So that is the one of the bonus tracks on this. Um, and when I put out the actual CD, here we go with this. This is Four Large Men 1. Jerry also sang on Four Large Men 2, which I have the masters to that. I have to get them baked, and that's a whole other story. And a whole, That's going to take me a while to do all that. And then I can also release that later on. And uh, involved in that, lineup of four large men two was mike merrifield and wayne johnson and again 
we're still our friends. We're doing other reunion shows here and there with Mike and Wayne. So it's not like uh, we just forgot about each other. That was, you know, that was a, a special time, a special period, and we all just carry that with us. Yeah, especially, you know, this is a tribute not only to the people you've played on stage with, but, you know, the very close friends and family of yours as well. Correct. And I do have video of some of those early shows. And um, I've been digging out some stuff. And that's tough because I am the the last man standing. You know, I hate to say it that way. But when you watch some of the stuff, it's like, that was some pretty cool stuff because we we did a lot of we did a lot, a lot of neat stuff. Yeah, to be the the school. So, um, that's eventually going to come out. That is what I am trying to shoot for in you know 2021 and into 2022. Because not only do I have the masters of four large men, I have the masters of all the ardent stuff and DC strut that Kevin played on. So again, I have to get all those master tapes baked because they're over. 30 years old, 35 years old. So um, I can take those and manipulate those. And Dave DeFay is also going to help me do all that stuff. So that's a long story of it. <laughs> it sounds like you got a lot of cool stuff going on. I know you know, a lot of stuff. Uh, you know, especially not, you know, not only with Four Large Men, but all the other projects you're involved in as well. But I think it might, you know, it's a little bit tough, you know. A little bit emotionally because you i mean as you said you are the sole remaining member of this group and you're trying to you know preserve and continue on their legacy right and that's that's pretty much the premise of all that and i have to look at that at it that way um because you know the other side of it is you look at it why am i still here because i had tons of health issues before all of them it wasn't cancer or anything. I had sarcoidosis. I had a stroke. I fought my way to get where I am today. And despite all that, I am the last man standing. Yeah, I mean, there's always a reason for everything. And I know you're going to take good care. You're going to take good care of <laughs> all of the uh, archives of four large men. Right. I have to do, do all that. I got so much stuff. Of, um, Deb and I went through the basement here uh, this summer, and I got tons of demos and things on cassette. That so, if I do a four, like a four large men too, I know there's a couple of things on YouTube you can find, but I just got some really cool archive stuff. I mean, Jerry had the voice that he could sing Dio, he could sing, you know, we were screwing around with like King Diamond stuff at practice. He could sing, you know, Coverdale, Helford. He could do all of that with, with no problem. Now that's very impressive. Now we do like you know King Dial's King Diamond style of music, but also like Dio as well, because Dio isn't easy to sing at all. Like he is Dio's super talented. But Jerry had that. He just Jerry had that gift. He could sing like Stone Temple Pilots, whether he'd be playing like uh, Plush or Unglued or any of those songs, you know, we'd be singing Heaven to Hell. We would be singing, um, you know, like, uh, what's the other band there? Uh, Cry of Love, we'll be singing Peace Pipe. I would, back in the day, back in the 90s, I would have put Jerry up against any of those guys. I really would. And I got a lot of that stuff on video and a lot of stuff on cassette. So when I present the Four Large Men 2 
see there's going to be a lot of bonus stuff and it's it you'll be surprised yeah that's very impressive to do like such different you know drastically different styles of music like with the grunge style of stone temple pilots and then like the rock and metal side of dio and all the bands you listed i mean that's super impressive for anybody right and like i said back in the day when jerry was in his prime i would have put him up against anybody because he just he was just that singer queen's right we were doing take hold of the flame he'd be singing those high low those high notes like nothing at all they were just jerry you know you meet very few people in your life that just have it that can actually do things and he was that one guy and unfortunately towards the end he started doing his acoustic thing because he couldn't push all that high stuff anymore but he did a real good job on uh, a song called ain't feeling right that we wrote back in the day and uh the that version is on here on the four large men available at roycollison.com all the information is on there very limited 50 copies so get your copy now Yes, anybody, please head over to RoyCoston.com, pick yourself up a copy. It's some phenomenal music, and right. you, will, you will love it. Yes. You know, we still kind of, this is a little bit commercial. We stuck to our guns. Um, Jerry and I wrote all the material on this. So get this. This is a definitely a collector's item, because once they're gone, that's it. I'm done. I have to move on. I got I got tons of other things that I need to uh, attend to. And if anybody who hasn't heard of Four Large Men, what can they expect on this CD you just released? It has a wide variety of music. It's some of it's blues based, some of it's hard rock, but it was it wasn't like the later 80s. It was more like the early 80s where the songs really counted. And you can hear Jerry's voice on this. And uh, there's a couple of real commercial songs, which we thought, okay, we're in the 90s, we're, you know, we're, you know, in our mid 30s, 40s, what should we do? And um, we said, oh, let's try to make some money. So it is a little bit commercial. But Four Large Men 2, we said, ah, screw it, let's go heavier. So the Four Large Men 2 is very heavy. And I would, we used to sing like, uh, I can hear Jerry sing Man in the Box better than the singer Lance of, and I would put that, I, if Jerry was alive today, I would put money on that because that guy could sing those notes with no problem whatsoever. I would really like to hear that. I, you know, I got to dig some of that stuff out, and that's what my project is this winter, to get back and down there and release some of that stuff. It's got to be released because people need to hear that, you know. Yeah, I'm just stoked, you know, just us talking about it. So, you know, definitely can't wait to hear it. I hope your projects all go good. Make sure to go over to RoyCoston.com. As I said, pick up a copy as he's holding it up right now. You will love it, as I said. I have proof. There's some really cool, like, Ian Gillen vocals on here. Jerry did a good job with this. So, you know, you'll hear a lot of that. Especially, uh, we took it further in Four Large Men, too. Yeah, definitely. As I said, pick yourself up a copy. Now, I know you've been busy with Four Large Men releasing and uh, everything going on with that, but also you've been working on a solo material as well. As I said earlier, how have you been progressing with that as well? Well, the last month I've taken off 
since I finished this. This was very exhausting because of the emotional state with this. So that way it's like, ah, should I work in the home studio? I get all these songs now. Uh, Dev and I, we watch, we movie binge. <laughs> We've been watching movies. So as of yesterday, I've been getting back into the studio thing. I get a lot of stuff I need to do as far as like my own solo material. And what I decided to do is I have a couple more instrumental songs that will be released on uh, which you can find on Spotify, Deezer, and all that. You can go to RoyCosta.com. It's all on there. Um, if it ain't loud, it ain't right. So what I decided to do is take the stuff. Like, I have Jerry singing on three songs uh, before he passed. I got one really heavy song, probably the heaviest song I wrote, and he shares a vocal with John Gallagher from Raven. So that's going to come out. Um, I have Opus and Ray from a band called Earth, a Black Sabbath tribute, but Opus Dead by Wednesday, heavy. But what I mean by heavy, it's not like screaming. You got to hear the vocals because it's like a Ian Gillen over like um, like a Pantera, like the early Pantera, like Cowboys from Hell when you know Phil was actually singing and not screaming. So I got a lot of cool stuff, and I think I'm going to release that separately, and that's going to be called Decades of Demos, because I probably have 15 songs of that of like uh, over, you know, so many years. I just got all this material. I got to get it out. You know, like when my son first started playing, he was 15 years old. I still have those demos, and that's all going to come out. Some of it's kind of motorheadish, but it's just it needs to get out. So I have to get here and finish this. Long story long. <laughs> well, I'm really looking forward to all the great stuff releasing. It sounds like you have a lot on your plate, and I know you'll be, you you will get around to releasing it. You know, it's obviously going to take time to do everything and to do everything properly to not rush to release right. something just to get it out. That's my problem. That is my problem. You know. I was on the phone every other day to Dave. You know, I sent him all this stuff. Uh, what do you think of this? So he's sending all these mixes to me. And, well, I did this and I did that. And then I have Deb listen to it. And then say, well, I like this version, you know, better than this. You can hear Jerry's vocals in this. Um, I don't like this. So, yeah, it, yeah, it's, it, it was crazy. And, it, and it's still crazy. You know. <laughs> yeah, I, I bet, man. But I'm looking forward to everything. Now, you said you're working on a couple instrumentals, correct? Like, only music, correct? Right. right. Because my vocal chops, I do not have them. Um, I tried that years ago, and it just, I don't have it. And with my, uh, the issues I have with sarcoidosis in the lungs, I can't, I can't project. project. So, um, there's, there's three songs out there right now, Six String Sermon, uh, Railroad Angels, and Is It Now Yet? There's three instrumentals I put out there. I got a couple more things to do. I have another song that I'm going to release here soon. It's called, um, oh, God, I lost the title. I drew a blank. <laughs> it happens. It happens. Just one more. And that, yeah, here, yeah, here's the, yeah, just one more. And uh, that is a small instrumental I, I dedicated to my wife, Deb, because she always says, you got to write me a song. And then you did it. You did it. Yeah. 
It's not what she wants, but it's it will work for <laughs> now. Do you approach uh, a song, you know, instrumental song differently compared to one that's going to have lyrics, or does it kind of all the same process for you? For me, it's kind of the I have so much stuff, it's kind of the same process now. I think years ago when I tried to write an instrumental, it was a little bit difficult, but now it's almost the same thing because I hear things in my head, and now that I actually have a decent home studio um it's all almost all the same i can hear things now and like when you when you're going for instrumental is it something you've already have in your head i'm going to sound like this or is it some hey this just came out spontaneously or is it a combination it's a combination because uh with these songs that i released already i had the basic ideas as far as like the song structure, what I had to do was actually put the melody on top. That took a little bit longer. Then I put something down that I didn't like it. And then, you know, I wake up at two o'clock at night, come down, oh, I got this idea. And then, you know, yeah, it's a long process long. <laughs> yeah, I feel you, man. Sometimes I wake up in the middle of the night going, oh, I should do this because I'm not, I'm going to forget yeah. my morning. So I might as well just get it done. Yeah, I totally feel you, yeah. man. And that has happened many times. You know, I still, you know, have lyrics. I have other people singing on the stuff. And I do have the ideas up here. But sometimes accidents are the best thing. Like I have a song with um, Jerry, with uh, Ray from the, uh, the Black Sabbath tribute band, Earth. And I made a mistake and I hit the uh, chorus wrong. And um, I went, wow, that worked. So I had Jerry and Ray sing the same thing, but then I went back and I had Jerry sing a verse or a line. I had Ray sing a line, and it kind of went back and forth like they were echoing each other, and it was it turned out very cool. And then I had a guy named Lou DeBello. Um, you can find him on Facebook. He's a real good guitar player. He plays like in the style of me. So when I heard his stuff, I go, I thought it was me when I heard this song. So I got a hold of Lou, and he, Lou actually played the lead on that, which is very cool. So, you know, there you go. I just got to get this stuff off so, so people can hear it because I'm very excited because it's, um, it's, it's a long time coming. Yeah, it definitely sounds like it sounds like you had a lot of great stuff that's been in the works for such a long time that it's cool that you actually get to release it to the masses. Yes, it will happen. It, it's taken a very long time, but it's going to happen. I, I'm I'm really looking forward to it. Everyone else should be looking forward to it. Also, you can check out Roy Cost, and he's on all the streaming platforms, even on Bandcamp, if you like to support them. I know, like, the first Friday, they do uh, no fees on the first Friday of the month, so make sure to check that out as well. Yes. Yes, I do have to say that. You know, all the streaming sites, we won't go there because all the uh, the – you know, political aspect of all that. But, you know, I do thank everybody that has streamed. I did get the results and I did get, I don't know, a couple hundred streams. So I got like my 83 cents. <laughs> that That is money, man. Well, for those 200 people or so that listen to it, I thank you that listen to it. You know, I do appreciate that. That's what it's really about. You know, yeah. I got nothing. Candy bar now, so. 
as long as I think as long as people enjoy that those two hundred people actually enjoyed your music, I think that's worth more than you know their eighty three cents that you got. It it is right, right. But I just think that you know that whole political aspect of getting point zero zero three four cents per stream is a little bit you know. Yeah, it's it's unfortunate that's the times right now with you know streaming music and everything. Yeah. So yes. I'll be nice. (laughs) We're going to move on. The 200 people that did listen, I do thank you. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's the biggest thing. And, you know, we're going to move on from that. I know, I think everyone's kind of aware of what goes on with the streaming services. I think it's been very well documented. But I have a very interesting question for you, Roy. What is your favorite Kiss studio album? I know you're a big fan of Kiss. Yes. Okay. So here we go. I had to divide this up into two sections. Okay. Because you have the makeup, makeup. So, and I couldn't decide if it was going to be, well, Kiss Alive broke open the door for everything. But I wasn't sure, you know, with that. But then you go back and listen to like the first album or Destroyer. So I was stuck between those two. But for the non-makeup, I still listen to Revenge. Those are some good albums. My favorite is Destroyer, just because of the different el- elements they added to it. Plus, I think they, I believe they work with Bob Erdzing on that one too. I believe for producer. That's why I put that, you know. But the first one, you know, even live, you know, I'm still jamming, you know, Cold Gen, you know that. So I went back and forth with that. But then, like I said, not makeup. I would have to go with revenge. To me, Kiss's worst album, and I hate it, is Crazy Nights. When was when was that? I don't think I've listened to that one. I'd probably save myself some time. It doesn't matter. I just, I you know, I see the video on TV. You know, we're watching like, you know, whatever's on there, and it's like. Oh, I just, I, it, it doesn't matter. It's that is the worst like, to me, you know. I'll deal with. Uh, I do like look it up and some of their other songs, but to me, that is the the worst Kiss album there was. Yeah, I think I, I, the Elder. I'll even listen to uh, like Dynasty or something like that, but Crazy Night, forget it. <laughs> I, I got you, man. I think Destroyer, one of my favorite albums. As you said, their first album. Honestly, like all those all those songs like they came out hot with their debut album, and they they were they're supposed to. That's your debut album, right? The first three records really put Kiss on the map because they were really a hard rock blues band. You know, that's that's where their roots were. If you listen to, you know, you know, Strutter, you know, Coming Home off of you know Hotter Than Hell, they were. You know, they were trying to find who they were, but they were more blues-based, especially Ace Frehley, because he is, you know, a guitar hero of mine. You know, you listen to, like, the old Chuck Berry riffs and those old black uh, blues players from, like, Mississippi or whatever. You can hear all of that in Ace Frehley's playing. Yeah, definitely heavily, you know, he's definitely influenced by blues. And actually, I like his solo album you know when kiss did all four you know solo albums i forgot what year that was i think ace freely really set himself apart from all the other members with that album yes 
that's, you know, we've talked about that many times with other people. Yes, I do agree. Ace Frehley was first. Paul Stanley was second. Gene was third. And Peter was fourth, unfortunately. And I and I understand what Peter Chris was trying to do with that because he diversified much more than everybody else. But it, it went to uh, it went to too much of an extreme. And uh, the mass I don't really want something a little bit closer to Kiss, you know. But Ace really definitely, yeah. Speed and back to my baby, you know, rip it out, you know, all that stuff. It's great, you know, or rip it out. Actually, was on, yeah, that was on that. Um, rip it out, speed back to my baby, ozone, yeah, that stuff is great. Yeah, definitely. You know, I mean, the most, I think his most memorable song, you know, New York Groove, oh, yes, that is a song, yeah. yeah. Being from New York, that just kind of my mind. <laughs> I went with speeding back to my baby. <laughs> and that's all right. I'm from Indiana. I'm here to pick up the New York things for you. That's, that's a stroke moment. <laughs> <laughs> and I do understand what you're saying about, you know, the Peter Chris album. I'm not saying it was bad music. It just didn't connect with people, I think. Right. right. Yeah. You know, Papa's got a brand new bag. And, you know, I get it. And I understand what he was trying to do. But it just... It didn't. It didn't appeal to the Kiss fan base because I think they want to hear a little bit more of like Hard Luck Woman, maybe, or you know, some of the other Hooligan or whatever he was singing there. It just it didn't click. Yeah, I think people are expecting more like rock-based music. And yeah, he was going for some experimental, which I think is great, but it just Correct. the audience yeah. wasn't right. Correct. Correct. There you go. And you touched about blues music, you know, with rock music and like the, the early Kiss stuff. It reminds me of like the early ACDC where it was like a blues rock band, you know, when they first started out with Bon Scott. Right, right. They perfected that with Bon Scott on Highway to Hell. You know, that is the, the top of perfection right there. You know, even though Back in Black was good, but you, you know, you go through the motions of what they went through. You know, they nailed it with Highway to Hell, you know. Oh, yeah, I mean, this is a great, you know, sadly, unfortunately, Bon Scott, you know, passed away after the recording of Highway to Hell. But that's like, per, as you said, perfection. And just him, you can, there's passion with Bon Scott on Highway to Hell. Everything he does. Right. That, that was uh, the time, everything, the, you know, the universe aligned for them, you know, the stars were right. It just, it was perfect all the way around, you know, Highway to Hell, you know, Girls Got Rhythm, all that. That stuff is great. It just, it worked, you know. And I'm not disrespecting anything else. They stuck to their own style, and it has worked over, what, the, the last 40 years or whatever it was. So, but yeah. they perfect with Highway to Hell. And they just put out a new album, or they're going to put out a book. Either they did or they're going to, I can't remember. They did. Yeah, okay. They just did, and it's uh, it's good. But when you grow up with something, that tends to stick with you, and you're always going to compare that to the new stuff. It's it's good, but you know, but it's ACDC, so you recognize the guitars, you know. 
Yeah, it's what you expect from ACDC. I heard their first single. I mean, it, it's ACDC. I mean, you, you, they're, they're very signature with everything they do. Correct. Right. That was the word I was looking for. Yeah, you can tell. As soon as you hear it on the radio, you know, you, you, know, you shook me all night long. You hear the beginning riffs. Yep, that's Angus. You can just tell, you know. Van Halen or some of the early kiss, you know, there's certain distinctive sounds that you hear. Early Grand Funk, um, you know, Hariah Heap, some of those bands, those guitar players, and they just had that sound. Yeah, and it's really hard to, like, have your own unique sound when you're playing guitar, and to do that for people recognizing, like, the first five to ten seconds, like, yep, I know who that is right now. That takes a lot of hard work. Correct. Correct. But I think I got that now. You know, it's taken me all these years. I think I finally have my sound. <laughs> and when you hear Spring Sermon play, you know that's me. <laughs> that's right. Make sure to check it out, too. Make sure to head over any streaming platform. Check out Roy Costin and be like, you know what? So when you hear it the next time, you're like, you know what? That's Roy Costin I'm listening to. That's right. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> Yeah, Roy, thank you so much for stopping by Super Cool Radio again. Second interview this year. Very good friend of the show from New York. Yes, Park. Second interview since September. Yes, and I'm glad you got a lot of things working. You got a full plate, not only with the Four Large Men, which you, which you just released, which you can get on Roy Costin, shameless plug. Also, yes. solo material. A lot of great stuff that you got in the works. Yes, I got tons of things going on. So hopefully next year, 2021, I'll be back teaching, be back at the YMCA teaching. I would be at Madison Renata right Bosi's teaching. Um, what else I had written down here? Love Bone will be together 19 years next year. So Chuck and I will be together 19 years next year. So, and we're working on new Love Bone stuff and that's gonna come out too. Again, this COVID thing, put a big kibosh on things. Um, my solo band, we're going to work on some dates with that. So I'm hoping that works in because I have Freddie Bellano from Quiet Riot and Dee Snyder's um, band on bass. And I have Talon Black. He lives out in Massachusetts. He's done some previous work for me. He's on drums. And Talon and I have been trying to get a few projects together anyways with, uh, with the Rat Tribute Band, um, some Bomber Alley stuff in L.A. Pussycat. So Taylor and I are always trying to get something together. You know, he lives, you know, four hours away from me. Um, but and also Reverend Rory, hopefully, you know, I can marry people in New York State. Hopefully that will come out. So I'm looking for 2021 to be much better. <laughs> well, I think 2020 set the bar really low that anything in 2021 will be an improvement. It's got to. It's got to. And of course, as always, we have to thank Christina for all her hard work that she's done for me, getting me in the, the magazines. And she's gotten me a lot of radio airplay. So thank you, Christina, for all your hard work that you do for me. Big shout out to Christina Villa. Great person, wonderful promoter. You know, obviously not only for Roy Costin, she has a huge roster of bands. So make sure to send a like her way as well. She has a nice page on Facebook. And super cool radio for everything that he for people like me. Yes, make sure yeah, make sure check out all the to help you get the name out. 
this guy right here, we need more people like him to support this page. Roy, thank you so much for the kind words, man. I truly appreciate it. I just, I, I'm, you know, glad we were able to talk and connect again. Make sure to check yes. out Large Men. And we won't answer why they were called Four Large Men. That will forever be a mystery, people. Hey, Roy, Roy, Roy Costin, guitarist of Love Bone, chatting with him on here on Super Cool Radio. Thank you so much, man. It sounds like you had a lot of great stuff in the pipeline for 2021. I hope everything works out for you, brother, and I look forward to chatting with you again. Sounds good. No, thank you. Super Cool Radio. There it is. <laughs> For Roy Costin and Love Bone, I am Matthew Thomas with Super Cool Radio. Thank you for watching.